peace world welcome back to another episode of retired wreck the podcast today i got with me a special guest man somebody who who showed me that it was possible to become a, a professional basketball player uh just somebody that i grew up admiring and, and i'm just glad that we got him on this platform uh so definitely shout out to mark green for coming through today thank you brother appreciate it man yes sir yes sir so man like i said you were you was the first professional basketball player I actually knew, like somebody who I saw who was who became a professional basketball player. Uh, so you you really you know inspired me in a lot of ways, man. That's just just super dope that I got you here for sure. Man, thanks for having me again, man. No really doubt. appreciate it. No doubt. So we're gonna take them back, man. We're gonna take them back, and we're gonna start in like eighth, ninth grade. We just wanna know who you were, what your mindset was. Was it hoop dreams? Was it like oh I'm just trying to be a scientist or whatever people are trying to do like. Was it hoop dreams for you? Yes, uh, I had hoop dreams before I can remember. It was both football and basketball. Okay. So eighth grade, I played football. So I just moved up here to Norristown, seventh grade, 1995, Christmas break. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> like, where am I going? Like, where, where is my dad taking me? Right. And so eighth grade, you know, I played football, but I knew I was done with football. I mm -hmm. was like, you know, I didn't really think I could play both and be good at both. I thought I had to choose. Um, so eighth grade basketball, I remember Benke Johnson, um, coach at North Sound High, who was assistant at that time. Mm -hmm. He came and watched me play. Um, and after that, he said, hey, I want you to start working out with the ninth grade team and you know the 10th grade team and everything like that. So when I first got to Norristown, Jimmy Lever was the point guard. Mm -hmm. I remember that I was in seventh grade and he was a junior. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, he's going to be out. It's going to be an open spot for point guard. Right. So that was my goal all eighth grade was to like get better so I can start in ninth grade. That yeah. was like my whole thing. Um, one of my dad, his, one of my dad's friends, um, father figure of me for me now, uh, Dwayne Frazier, he always kept telling me Kenny Anderson, Kenny Anderson, Kenny Anderson. <laughs> he said Kenny Anderson started all four years. Yeah. And that's all he kept talking to me about. Like, you got to start all four years. Right. You know, back then it was like, you know, freshman play freshman, 10th grade play JV, then hopefully you can get, you know, varsity junior, senior. Right. He was like, nah, freshman year, you need to be starting varsity. So that's all I was thinking about, eighth grade. Right. No, that's crazy, that's crazy. So the goal was to be a uh, varsity starter in ninth grade. That's crazy because I was just watching uh, NYC Point Gods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, that documentary was crazy, by the yeah. way. Uh, mm -hmm. But no, Candy Anderson was super tough. So take us to ninth grade. You get to ninth grade. Did you become a varsity player? Were you JV? What was it? So it was it was a crazy year. So I started started JV. Um, like I said, Banky Johnson's assistant. He told Tom McGee at the time, like, "Hey, this is your point guard." They had a they had a point guard problem. It was like point guard by committee. Right. Everybody was trying out and everything like that. Who could do it? He never really gave me a chance. And then the first game we played the Triangle Tournament. I forget who we played. I'm drawing a blank. I want to say Abington. Mm -hmm. I don't think that was them. We played whoever we played, and I didn't get into the second half. I suited up, and we wasn't playing good. Played the second half, played good. The next game, he didn't even play me and everything. Mm -hmm. So I just played JV for like a month, month and a half. And then January hits. I remember I was playing Penridge on the road, and I played JV. And a lot of games, I would suit up varsity but didn't play. Right. It was, you know, no big deal. And so this Penridge game, he was like, um, McGee and uh, Bink, I think they came up to him and was like, hey, you want to play today? Or yeah. whatever. And I'm like, whatever. And they, they played me, and 
from January, was that 1997? I was starting since. Right. That was just that and mm-hmm. everything. So that's tough. That's tough. So hey, take us back to this time. Who who else is like you? You're in ninth grade. This is like 96, 97. Who in the area? Like who got the name? Who got the buzz? Who got all the you know all the hype at this time in the area? Man, that it's always a debate. Um, I hear this a lot. Who had the better class, 96 with Kobe and all them, or 97? Mm-hmm. 97 was Lane Greer, Marvin O'Connor, Nyan Crenshaw, Martin Inglesby, Chuck Moore. So they mm-hmm. had they had some dogs. It was it was some dogs. So that was the 97. That was that year. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Lane Greer, Chuck Moore, uh, PW. They won the states that year. We played them in the playoffs. That game was actually on YouTube too. It wasn't a great game for me, but it was good for them. Um, so we had we had some good guards. It was an Edmonton guard. I can't remember his name. He was pretty good. So yeah, '97 was good. Lawton Thompson, rest in peace. He was my uh, my teammate. He really took me under his wing. So '97 was a really good year. It was so, tough. Tough, tough. So we in high school. What's your? Give me some highlights of your high school career. Like you, you. Everybody always talk about coming to see you play versus Chester, or coming to see you versus Jameer. Mm-hmm. Or like, I would hear about these stories before. I wasn't even coming to watch basketball. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't even coming. But I would hear about these stories and like, yeah, what's some highlights that stand out for you in high school? So the first one, um, for sure, is the Harrisburg game. Mm-hmm. Um, big star, he put that game up. That was my sophomore year. Okay. Um, and at that time, <laughs> I got a, it was an article um, like in my freshman year, when sophomore year, they called me erratic. And I remember asking my parents, "What does erratic mean?" Right. And everything, they was like, "Look it up." <laughs> That's I do that to my kids now too, and it was inconsistent. Right. And so I just I just had that constantly in my head, like, "Man, I'm so inconsistent. I'm inconsistent." So mm-hmm. the Harrisburg game, they went in the states that year. We was the only game that they lost to. It was a Saturday afternoon. We went up there, had a great game, mm-hmm. like thirty something, ten plus assists and everything that was like my sophomore year that was a great game like that was one I you know I always wanted to see that game too right. you know back then this is 98 like we didn't all have videos and everything right. like that but somebody did thank god right. so that was a game um to play CB East one time I think that was a good one then that sophomore year again we played Chester we played Chester in the district playoffs mm-hmm. to make it to the Palestra in the final four we played them in the state playoffs right. won both of those games the first game was at Shetland High School, mm-hmm. and the second game was at Cokesville. And I remember those, it was, it was crazy. It mm-hmm. was crazy, like both crowds were like going at it. All love, no violence or nothing like that, but it was it was just intense, I remember that. Because <laughs> Jameer was the only other guard like me that started his freshman year. Right. It was crazy because I thought I was the only one. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, you got the high school sports show, and I'm seeing like, yeah, freshman Jameer Nelson. I said, Hey, we got another one. <laughs> so it was that was our first matchup, first of many uh, matchups. It was our sophomore year of high school. That's dope. That's dope, man. So, all right. So I've been asking all my guests this question mm-hmm. from your four years in high school. From so you graduated in two thousand yes. from ninety six to two thousand. You got five guys to take with you, mm-hmm. with you in the lineup. You okay. as the starting point guard. You got five guys to take with you, and y'all gonna go to L A. Y'all gonna go to Houston, y'all gonna go play versus they best five. Mm-hmm. Let me hear your five with you at the point guard. So I'm gonna always take my backcourt mate, Reese Allen. Okay. That's that's always, <laughs> and, main, and that's mainly because he pressure the ball like I do. Right. Um, not to skip over this, but Van Fleet, um, he just put out a video about how when he grew up in Chicago, it was 
yeah, you score, but you got to pick up 94 feet. That's what he grew, grew up at. And right. everything. I said that to a couple guards, too. So I know I used to do that, and the, the most frustrating thing as a guard who picks up full court is when they pass it to the other guard. And they like, yeah. <laughs> right. So Reese is coming with me because he's going to do the same thing. Right. And I'm going to go with, he didn't play the three in high school, mm -hmm. but I know he can play the three, mm -hmm. is John Simons. Okay. I'm going to go John Simons, and I'm going to go Eddie Griffin, rest in peace. Mm -hmm. That was my guy. And I'm going to go Ed Moore as my center, just for defense. Right. Shout out to Ed Moore. Yeah. <laughs> So with, with John, you know, I don't know if any young guys know him, but he was ahead of his time. Right. Six, seven, could basically run the point guard. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Played three, four positions and everything like that. So I remember seeing him in high school, like, man, yo, who is this guy, man? Right. And so, yeah, I'm definitely rock out with John. Eddie Griffin speaks for himself, number one player in the country. Mm -hmm. Could do it all. And like I said, Ed Moore down there, like, they can't score down there, basically. Right. So I'm a defensive guy, as you can right. see. No, that's a, that's a tough five. That's a tough five, man. Uh, that's a tough five. So we're going to move into your college recruitment process. Mm -hmm. When does this start? When do you get your first letter? Do you remember, like, your first, like, you got some interest? Like, how did that go? Yeah, so this was my junior year. We played Hatboro Horsham early in the season. Uh, Matt Carroll, the Carroll brothers, mm -hmm. and everything like that. So... I was on the, I was like on the cuffs. I was like low D1, high D2. Mm -hmm. Like it was like around there. Um, had a great game, had a really great game. I want that video too. I don't know if anybody videotaped that. And I remember Thurn Cameron, my AAU coach, came mm -hmm. to me afterwards. He was like, hey, you did it. You're legit D1 now. Okay. And I don't remember the first letter, but I got a bunch of letters mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, I wanna say, I wanna say like UMass sent me the first letter. Mm -hmm. I think I think they did, but it was it was it was great. It just started coming. Um, my dad was great because he handled a lot of the stuff. He yeah. kind of kept me, you know, on the side of things and everything like that. So it was cool. Um, so my junior year, obviously, it was just talks, like people just talking and everything mm -hmm. like that. And it got really crazy. Spring of my junior year, afterwards, got mm -hmm. a Frio tournament. That's when I really showed out. I think started put that game up too, and everything. And that's when like it, a lot of the interest started. Mm -hmm. like, different types of schools and everything like that. Um, like the, the Texases, the Connecticut's and everything, they started calling and showing interest and everything like that. That's when all that happened. So for people that might not be familiar with your game, right? Mm -hmm. So you're a, you, you will be considered a small guard. Yes, right? I am literally the small guard. <laughs> you will be considered a small guard. Mm -hmm. So me, I'm a new coach, right? I'm yeah. new into coaching and uh, and like I'm recruiting and they ask me about players and such and such like yeah. that. And uh, so when they ask me about small guard, mm -hmm. I, maybe unfairly, I always <laughs> compare them to like you. Like I'm like, if you're going to be a small guard, you got to pick up 94 yeah. feet. Like yeah. the only small, the literally like the only small guard I know that became a professional basketball player is you. Yeah. So you're the standard for me at least. Mm -hmm. So when, uh, like when I'm evaluating small guards, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm holding them to your standard. So I say that just to say, for you as a small guard, if you're talking to some other small guards out there, maybe mm -hmm. high school, maybe in college, give me just three things that you just have to absolutely do as a small guard to even have a chance at, at being successful. So, I, you know, I talk to and mentor a lot of small guards mm -hmm. and everything. So, one, I tell them defense because that's the first thing people want to say is he's a liability on defense mm -hmm. and everything like that. So that's the number one thing. And it's not just playing defense, but I remember Jim Fibinoff. Mm -hmm. He's with Denver Nuggets now. 
he told me, this when I was in high school, he was like, it's not enough for you to just be there. Right. You got to cause havoc. Right. It has to be a situation where it's like, we can't even do nothing because of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So that's, that's the number one thing. Two is you got to be able to shoot. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to shoot. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to be able to go in there, finishing and dunking on guys. I'm, it's a lot of small balls you can, but mm-hmm. you know, it's a super athletic game. You got to be able to knock your jump shot down. And the other thing is, is and I say this to all guards, not even just small guards, but you got to be a leader. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to make guys better. And, you know, and what I mean makes guys better is not just passing the ball, get them open shots, but make them better as a better basketball player. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just encouraging them. You know what I mean? Like, when I was, I learned that when I played professionally, whereas it starts before the game. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to get to know this Croatian teammate. Mm-hmm. That, you know what I mean? Y'all come from totally different worlds. Mm-hmm. You got to know what's his holidays. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's little stuff like that to bring chemistry, to bring camaraderie to the team. Mm-hmm. And that's all point guards, not just small, but, you know, a lot of small guards, we get knocks where they, like, trying to find the negatives and everything. So mm-hmm. having those three things is priceless to me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give a quick drop, too. There's a small guard right now at West Catholic who's not getting the love I believe I he, uh, he deserves. Man, shout out to Bud Clark, man. I think he, he's yeah. he's a... He's a He's a Division One player. In my I literally opinion. just I literally just watched this game. They played an MOT mm-hmm. against the kid from uh, Jersey, the guard from Jersey. I, I can't remember his name, but Ty something. Because mm-hmm. at the Hill School, we played against him last year when he was at St. Benedict's. Mm-hmm. Man, that was a I love a great guard matchup. Mm-hmm. And Bud came to play. Like he mm-hmm. came to play. I I love his game. I seen him down the on your team. Yeah. And I told Z, your brother, I was like, yo, I love his game. Mm-hmm. But you know why I love his game? Because he picks up full court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Picks up full court, yeah. so you can have an off game, but yeah. guess what? Nobody's going to know that if you're disrupting the whole offense on the other team. Yeah. No, for sure, man, for sure. So let's get back to you, and you end up going to St. Bonaventure. Yes. Let's let's get to why St. Bonaventure and and how that came about. So St. Bonaventure um, went on obviously a couple visits. Mm-hmm. Um, St. Bonaventure for me, one they just had a small guard Tim win, mm-hmm. so that wasn't unfamiliar with them. And two, the location. I just, as people who've been there know, it's literally nothing to do. It's super <laughs> cold, small campus, exactly what I needed. Yeah. Literally exactly what I needed. I didn't need a, a bunch of distractions. I wanted to, I went to school to be focused, to be a pro. Yeah. And that's just, you know, not trying to discourage any other kids. I know parents may be listening. I didn't go so much for academics. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you what the academics was kind of like <laughs> and everything like yeah. my recruiting visit. It was more of how can I become a pro? And I had a dorm and it was a small gym right next to my dorm. I was like, bet, that's what I need. And then my second year, I had a gym underneath at the basement of my dorm. I was like, that's exactly what I need. I don't need no distractions at all. Like I said, cold, small, boring, sign me up. No, it's good. It's funny because I always tell people that my major, my major in college was basketball. <laughs> I was a major in basketball. Uh, but no, that definitely that's dope, man. You end up going on to have a great career um, at St. Bonaventure, St. Bonaventure Hall of Fame. You just was inducted into not too long ago. Shout out to you for that. Thanks. Um, so yeah, let's get in your college career, man. You got some highlights, something that sticks out. That's like, man, like wow, like I'm I'm really on pace to you know live out my dream of like one day becoming a pro or like you know or your dream because the first dream is to play Division One basketball yeah, and like yeah, and so like play that. at that level. So let's let's get into a couple moments where it's like, damn, like I'm really here. Yeah. So my first year, I started out good. 
I started out real good. I actually started my first couple games. We had a mm -hmm. tournament out in Cali. We played against uh, Fresno State with Tarkanian, mm -hmm. uh, Melvin Eli, and everything. We won. I played really, really well um, and everything. Um, had a tragic uh, moment in family, and that literally just, boom, that, that season just went down the drain, mm -hmm. whatever. Rightfully so. I was seven, 18 at the time. Right. Whatever. Don't want to really talk about that. But so that happened. So sophomore year, get a new coach, new system, and that's when I basically flourish. Mm -hmm. you know, it was kind of like real up-tempo. It, it really worked for my game, uh, for my teammates' games and everything. So my sophomore, junior, you know, senior year, I really came into my own as far as scoring and, you know, and everything, just controlling the game, defense. I could really play the way I needed to play on defense and everything. Mm -hmm. um, main game was my sophomore year at UConn. Beat UConn on the road. I actually just watched that game not too long ago. <laughs> Uh, one of my our teammates put it in our uh, chat, and that was a big game. That was against a lot of NBA guys, Ben Gordon, Mecca Okafor, Karan Butler. You mm. know, and we went there and smacked them by almost 20. Mm. You know, had a really good game. So, yeah, a bunch of good games. Played against Dave Brooks uh, from Abington, uh, mm. Niagara. Had like 43 that game. It was like an overtime game. It was crazy. Mm. It was like a run and shoot type of game. They pressed me. That was like mm. the first team that ever pressed me. Right. Yeah, they straight pressed me <laughs> and tried to track me. We was just going like this, like a track meet. Right. It's crazy. So one thing that always comes up when somebody mentioned Mark Green, I could be I could be here, I could be in town, I could be in the city, I could be mm -hmm. overseas, mm -hmm. I could be anywhere. Whenever your name is brought up, it's always work ethic. Yeah. It's always yeah, he just works hard, man. Like he 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 don't play about it. He don't play about it. Like, give me some work ethic tips for young hoopers. Like, like what is it? Like, what does work ethic mean? You hear it. Yeah. Like, oh, guys be in the gym all the time, but oh, mm -hmm. they really working. Uh, let me tell a quick story too about uh -huh. about, about, <laughs> about his work ethic. Uh, so I'm in high school. I want to say I'm in ninth grade. No, no more than tenth grade. Uh, Mark is home. He's playing pro somewhere mm -hmm. that year. Yeah. He come home for the summer. I don't know how it came about. He just randomly like, "Yo, be ready at such and such time. We going up the uh, we going up the Northside High for uh, for a workout." I'm like, all right, cool. At mind you, this time ninth grade, tenth grade, I'm for sure not. Work ethic is is not even a word for me. It's like I'm just playing basketball, but I'm playing a lot of basketball. I'm not really intentionally working on my game. Um, so anyway, he comes and get me. We go to the Northside High. Literally like ten minutes into the workout, I'm like, "Y'all gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta go to the bathroom." I spent like 20 minutes in the bathroom. <laughs> spent like 20 minutes in the bathroom just from our warm up. Now looking back at it, all we was doing was warm up That's shooting. All we, was doing. we just was running and shooting, running and shooting, and I was cooked. And not sprints, just jogging. Right, right, right. I was cooked in like 10, 15 minutes max. Uh, and, and yeah, from there I knew that, like, damn, it's, I'm nowhere near where I need to be as a yeah. basketball player. So uh, I told I told Leaf this not too long ago. I was like, you got to realize. Like, I was nervous to work you out because I, I know how I work out. Right. And I'm a pro, so I'm like, all right, he's a kid. You can't go as hard. Right. Like, even when I work out kids now, I'm like, all right, be mindful that, you know what I mean, they're not going to be like you right. and everything like that. So a lot of times I'm like, like, parents will come up to me, like, you work my kid out. I was like, man, I don't even know how to sometimes because it's like, right. I know how I work out, mm -hmm. you know, and everything like that. <laughs> so I was nervous from the beginning, and then he's not telling me one thing. So as we're doing the drill, all it is is simple as he shoots, gets his rebound, and pass to me. I shoot, get my rebound, pass to him. He shoots and just keep running into the bathroom. And I'm like, did something happen? Like, you know what I mean? So it was crazy. But as far as 
I really don't know where my work ethic came from. The only the only thing I can kind of contribute it, it to my father and grandfather. Mm -hmm. I just really remember them getting up in the morning. Right. Like I, that's all I remember. That was like my alarm clock. Was my dad waking up, driving, going to work? It was always like five thirty, six in the morning or something like that. That's right. that's all I remember. Because my dad never said, "Hey, you need to go to the gym and work hard. You need to go to the courts." Like I never had those type of conversations. I just knew that I couldn't do what everybody else did. Right. That's the only that's the only thing the rule I had. And when I speak to kids, I tell them, if you're doing what everybody else is doing, if you're doing what every, your teammates are doing, or if you're doing everything your coach is telling you to do, it's right. probably not good enough. Right. You know what I mean? And I think we don't help kids out a lot of times, but telling them what it looks like. Right. So I'll give you an example. What it can look like. I tell my son, my son is 14. Your bus, you leave to go to school at 645. Mm -hmm. And this is, if you want it, you want it. Right. So. You know what I mean? That's football a, too. This is if you want to be a high level basketball player. Yeah. This is not if you want to be a part time basketball player. This yeah. is a regimen for somebody who has aspirations to be a high level basketball player. Most of y'all go to school seven in the morning, whatever the case may be, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm you, I'm getting up before that. I'm getting up before that, and I understand everybody can't do this. Mm -hmm. Everybody can't go in their neighborhood just you know run for 10, 15 minutes, whatever like that. But get up in the morning, just do two hundred jumping jacks. If you got a rope, 200 jumps, push-ups, sit-ups. When I'm saying push-ups, sit-ups, do them, do them in sets. Go 25, then do 25 sit-ups. Take a little break, do another 25, boom, another 25. And just get 100 in. That's before school. That's just literally before school or whatever like that. Make sure you're eating breakfast and everything like that. Most of these guys, they, have, they got workouts after school. Okay, cool. You do your workout after school. And, of course, if this is available for you, stay active a little bit longer. You know what I mean? Stay for an extra 20, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Get some free throws in, get some ball handling in there. Um, get some jump shots in mm -hmm. or whatever. Like you can go 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. That's five spots. Mm -hmm. Makes, we don't do misses, just mm -hmm. makes 20. That shouldn't take you too long. That's a 20, 30 minute, whatever like that. If your parent or guardian, whoever's picking you up, um, I'm pretty sure they don't mind, you know, taking you home extra 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. And that's on a regular basis, Saturday and Sundays and everything like that. I get you guys, a lot of guys got trainers and working out and everything, but you can't just do that. That's just not enough. Yeah. It's just not enough. No, for sure. For sure, man. Uh, it's definitely a lot of lot of players, and I'm learning this because I've been away for a while. You know how that is. Yeah. You've been away, so you don't even know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely, and I like to call on, I talk to my friends, I talk, I, all these guys are part-time basketball players. Yeah. It's like, yeah. They they literally only do what's on the schedule. Yeah. Like that's that's that that'll never cut it. Even as a kid, like I said, my work ethic wasn't the best, but I would play a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I would play yeah. a lot. Like yeah. I would always be playing. So whether we had practice or or whatever it was, we were gonna go play more basketball. Yeah. So I don't even think like a lot of people are playing playing a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think that's a, a big thing right now. Yeah. Um but yeah, so moving forward. Mm -hmm. You have a great career uh, at St. Bonaventure. Mm -hmm. uh, like I just said, Hall of Famer in college. That's, that's, that's tough. So you're moving towards, you, you're, you've done your senior year. You're looking towards becoming a pro. Take me to that moment. You just got done your last college game. Yeah. Which, what's on your mind at this time? Like, is it NBA draft? Yeah, is so it, I'm like everybody. I'm, I'm thinking NBA draft. Um, it's kind of like just out there, you know, didn't have a lot of help. Mm -hmm. I mean, all honesty, uh, it's going through the whole Asian thing, um, what Asian I should choose and everything like that. 
but I didn't really have a lot of help based on what I seen other players getting. Other mm -hmm. players would have their trainer coming to the college, working them out, mm -hmm. going to different workouts. I didn't have any of that. So I just went to Portsmouth. Um, I messed my foot up at the end of the season. I wish I had somebody to tell me like, yo, take some time off and get some rest and get it healed. Mm -hmm. Didn't do that. So it's sometimes a downside of working hard too, because right. you gotta work smarter. Right. You know, I should have took some time off and let it heal when I was like, nah, let's go. I'm right at it. Because yeah. my whole senior year, I was just like, man, I was just over being in college. Mm. It had nothing to do with where I was at. It was, I was just like, yo, I, I want to be a pro. Right. Um, one thing I didn't mention was my freshman, freshman year going to my sophomore year, we went on a college uh, trip to Europe. Mm -hmm. So that's what opened my eyes to European basketball. Right. We played against pros. You know, I, I did really well. So in my mind, it's like, yo, I could be a pro. Right. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't expect to be there three more years and everything, but you know, all works out. Okay. So afterwards, yeah, I went to Portsmouth. I had no workouts and nothing like that, no NBA teams, nothing like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, basically I got, I got, a, I had a contract before the draft even started mm -hmm. to play over in France. So graduation is around Mother's Day in May. By Father's Day in June, I had a contract. Mm -hmm. So I was blessed because I know there's a lot of people that be struggling, don't know where they're going to be, what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, I had a coach. Um, in France, his name John Denae. He just loves small guards. Mm -hmm. Like he loves small guards. He had Shantae Rogers. He had Jerry McCullough. I'm pretty sure a lot of people, young people, don't know who these people are. Mm -hmm. um, but he just loves small guards. So he came to me and was like, "Hey, I want you to just come over." He was like, "I'll let you do what you want. I'll show <laughs> you the game. It'll be in France. It's a small country, but it's a good league. This is that." I was yeah. like, at this time, my then girlfriend, she was. She was pregnant, already had an older daughter. I'm like, yeah, like, hey, I need that, whatever like that. So it, my situation was very simple. Right. It was like very simple. I knew exactly when I was leaving. I was leaving like August 10th, and that was that. Right. So no. it was good. So Made the All-Star game that year too, first year and everything. So funny story about that too is, so draft day, what was that, 2000, 2000 draft? Uh -huh. Draft day, I'm down, I'm down at, I'm at Oak Street Park. I'm playing. I got no watch. This is when we didn't have our phones on. We didn't. Nobody was checking their phones. Nobody was checking no Instagram threads. Literally, like nobody knew. You had to have a watch to know what time it was. Yeah. So we playing. We lose track of time. I'm like yo, what time is it? Somebody tell me what time it is. I'm like, oh shit, the draft is on. I literally like I remember running back and I was getting there. It was like, was twentieth pick. Nineteen. Nineteen. I got there like two picks before Jameer, but I was 17, 18, and then Jameer got picked. Mm -hmm. So I got to see that, and then I watched it. I sat right in front of the TV and watched the rest of the draft, and I'm like, damn. But I just remember the feeling of not knowing what time it was, yeah. and remembering the draft, was, oh, and then sprinting back in the house and, and then turning that on, man. So that just, yeah. that just shows you how you was really motivating us and inspiring us when you probably didn't even know it. Yeah. Um, I don't we, know if I watched that draft. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I did, because I love watching the draft. I'm pretty sure I watched it. Yeah, well, we was definitely tuned in, man. I remember, I remember taking that sprint up the street and get back in the crib in front of that TV. <laughs> but so you, yeah, like you said, so you went into your first pro contract. You was then that signed before the draft, before it was even June. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely super ideal, man. It's always guys that hit me up right now. It's like it's super funny. Like, how do I get overseas? Or like, how? I get I get so many of those calls, <laughs> and I'm like, man, it's a totally different world than when I was because right. in 2000. Nobody wanted to go overseas. Right. Like people didn't know the money that was over there at right. that time. Um, the only I knew I knew guys who played overseas just because you know I was I just knew them. Right. Like Langreer was over there killing it. Pooh Island was doing great. 
you know, I just knew guys. And I remember that summer when I was going to France, I remember I ran into Lynn and I was like, I want to Russia or whatever. I was like, really? <laughs> Russia? He's like, Russia or whatever. Obviously, I'm sure everybody now know like Russia pays great money right. and everything. So, and when I got to France, I remember my first year, I talked to the Greer brothers, Ricardo and Jeff Greer. Mm-hmm. Ricardo's at Dayton now, I think. And they were telling me the same thing, like, hey, you gotta get to Italy, you gotta get to Russia, mm-hmm. you gotta get to Spain and everything like that. So, but yeah, a lot of people wasn't trying to go overseas, you right. know? So it was, I won't say easier, but it, it was it was an easier path though, I would say, than right. it is now. Cause everybody's trying to go overseas now. Right. It was right. tough. Right. No, for sure. Like I said, you was the first, like, I never heard of overseas before, before <laughs> you. So it was like, mm-hmm. I ain't know nothing about overseas basketball. Like, it would be some years, I don't know why we didn't, like, where market? It was like, Italy or, or, or mm-hmm. like, like, damn, like, he, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you over there playing? <laughs> yeah, like, it's yeah. like, so, it's just crazy. This basketball, it's a lot of, it's a big world. Yeah. Uh, it can take you all around the world. Let me hear about your, your favorite place to play at, man. Uh, for, for basketball, for living. For life in general, like your favorite place to play? So overall, me top to bottom for me was Italy. Mm-hmm. Italy was top to bottom. We would, we would go small towns. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you the gym would be rocking, mm-hmm. like they doing the flares, the fire and everything in the gym. It didn't matter. We was playing the, 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 the worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. Like they was bringing it. And so it, Italy top to bottom league for me. Living. I mean, I was in South of France. I mean, South of Italy. So mm-hmm. it, it really doesn't get no better than that. That's mm-hmm. Amalfi Coast, Capri, and all that was like right there. Mm-hmm. But it's hard for me to not Istanbul. Istanbul living <laughs> is, is is like no other. Mm-hmm. Like that city, I put that city with any other city in the world, and that's Milan, Paris, New York, Vegas, anything. Mm-hmm. Istanbul is is just great. It has everything you need there. Mm-hmm. So I love living there for sure. Mm-hmm. Dude, dude. So let me get for everybody who thinks it's all glitz and glamours overseas, and everybody is just living this happy life. Let me get one. <laughs> let me get one positive of being overseas. Like one thing that you you, you cherish about your experience mm-hmm. overseas, and then one just thing that you know it was just a negative. Like okay. whatever. Maybe. Well, the positive is I have my family over there, okay. and it's a great place to kind of raise family. Mm-hmm. And with my personality, it fit. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of laid back. I like to chill. You know, and everything is, if people who have never been to like European, even the small towns, mm-hmm. it's like a very chill, relaxed environment. But at the same time, they don't live for the weekend. Mm-hmm. I had friends and family come over and it's a Tuesday mm-hmm. and they like, well, what are we gonna do? I was like, yo, we can literally do whatever we want. We can go out like it's a Saturday night here. Mm-hmm. You know Thanks. what I mean? And so I like that part about um, overseas. Mm-hmm. I love that, I actually love that part. Mm-hmm. And the negative, I'll tell you, my first year, I, I almost didn't make it. Almost didn't make it. <laughs> um, it's, I was in a small town in France. Everything closed on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And for three hours during the day, for siesta and everything. This is, again, 2000. No cell phone. No laptop. If you, if you bought a calling card and called me, that means you love me. <laughs> like, you literally love me if you like, got a call. It's like putting money on your books. Yeah, sound exactly. like. <laughs> all I watched was NBA TV and BBC. That's literally all I watched. Mm-hmm. Bored out my mind. And at that time, you know, I tell people, when you're a pro, like, nobody's telling you to go to the gym and work, whatever. You practice, he's practicing two hours a day, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of time just sitting around. 
I mean, how often are you going to go in the gym? I'm, I'm in the gym all the time, working out, but all right, eventually you can't be in the gym 10 hours a day. Right. So it was a lot of downtime. I didn't have my family over at that time. So that was the tough part. I never had to deal with late payment so much. Mm. Um, during the financial crisis in 08, 09, I was playing Fenerbahce in Istanbul. And I'm not going to put all my business out there, but I was making great money. Mm. And the management came and said, hey, we're just going to be a month late this financial crisis right. or whatever so if you got paid january 15 you would get december's payment right. or whatever but at least at that time i'm scared right. you know what i mean right. it, like i wasn't even paying attention to that type of stuff <laughs> whatever right. so i never really had to deal with late payments like that um sometimes it'll be late but it it wasn't it wasn't changing my life and right. everything the, the the negative is sometimes the mentality mm-hmm. you know sometimes the mentality um, people say it often, and we won't get into something different, but since you asked the question, we're going to go there. Mm-hmm. People oftentimes say, man, um, it's easy to live overseas as a black man, and this is that. And I'm like, yo, it's just different. Mm-hmm. You can't compare with we all, how we lived over there, because when they looked up to us, mm-hmm. you got to ask the local African that's there, how he's treated. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you do get that. You know, and you get it on a, it's not a, it's not a forceful directly in your face, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just how they, how they look at you. And, you know, it's times where, you know, I'm a leader on the team, so I got to come at people sometimes mm-hmm. and they'll take it personally or whatever, where it's like, yo, but I said it to this American that's from down the South, you ain't have a problem with me saying it, but mm-hmm. because he's a native Italian or French or whatever like that, it's perceived as something wrong. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's, it's not always like that. So it was, it was like. I won't say it was a, a racist country and everything like that, but you just deal with different type of negatives and stuff like that, that you got to learn how to navigate that mm-hmm. and everything. No, for sure. You definitely said that right. It's just different. It's, it's different. different. That's it's all. not uh, yeah. overt, covert. It's like exactly. that type of thing, for mm-hmm. sure. And then you also, yeah, you're a professional basketball player over there, too, yeah. so it's not like... Yeah. We're not getting treated <laughs> like the regular c- citizen and everything right. like that, so right. it's different. I always tell people when I was in Israel, I seen some of the the, the slummiest hoods like, oh, yeah. that I've ever seen in my life. Definitely. Nothing nothing to compared to I've ever seen here uh, with black people over there. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So like it's it's definitely worldwide thing for sure, man. Uh, but yeah, just that traveling, that whole traveling, just open up your mind to a lot of different things. The you get to see a lot of different things, man. Your passport gets stamped up. You just get, even though you get I mean, culture. Passport. You had to go through your second passport yet? I'm still on my first passport. Yeah. I'm still on my first passport. It's beat up too. It's real beat up, yeah. but it's 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 a lot of action on there, man. <laughs> it's a lot of action on there. I think I got rid of my first passport because the first passport I got was in 2001 when I went over. Mm-hmm. So in 2010, I had to get a whole new one. Yeah. <laughs>